Welcome to Soundbreaker. I'm your host, Bob Shammy, and we are about to break the silence. Join me as we go behind the scenes and meet some of the most influential names in the music industry. Get ready for remarkable success stories that break the norms and defy the odds. From dreams to success, from challenges to victory, an exclusive backstage pass into the lives of music trailblazers as they create their own path to success. This is Soundbreaker. Welcome to Soundbreaker. On today's episode, we're talking to Tracy Medics, who is a groundbreaker in the music industry. Thanks for joining us. And for listeners who are, might not be familiar with you, could you please introduce yourself and tell us about what do you do? A little bit, not so much. Sure, well, We're going to dive into for it later on. Okay. Well, uh, thanks, My pleasure. For, uh, first of all, for having me on uh, Soundbreaker. Great to be here. Um, a little bit about me. I uh, am uh, a music industry veteran of, uh, depending on how you count it, about 25 years. And I uh, most recently served as chief commercial officer at uh, Downtown Music. Before that was the CEO of CD Baby for about a decade and led it through some uh, interesting times. And currently uh, taking a little break, still advising a downtown and a few other companies, but uh, r really on my first uh, professional sabbatical. Great. Um, you know, I don't want to get into it yet, but I would say that pretty much you wrote history twice in your career. We're going to get into that in a minute. So I want to go back, if you can take us back. Let's start at the beginning of your career. Can you share your background from your earlier days in the industry to become the CEO at CD Baby. Sure. I left a comfortable uh, corporate finance gig at Intel in uh, 2021, uh, sorry, yeah, two, 2001, uh, to, to join a company called Logic General that at the time was making uh, boxed software. Do you remember when a uh, little shiny disk used to ship with every uh, printer and every yes. uh, piece of software uh, clients like yes. Microsoft would use? Uh, I actually bought the company from the founder and we had all this excess capacity as uh, applications yeah. started to be delivered online. And so we uh, reached out to the music industry and found that there are plenty of independent labels that needed those types of services. And so we pressed early copies for indie musicians like Presidents of the United States, Death Cab for Cutie, uh, and the respective labels and found a real niche uh, there in independent music. And uh, kind of grew that mm -hmm. company, sold it in uh, 2009, uh, took a break from the industry, and then jumped in at the invitation of uh, Tony Van Veen, who was the longtime uh, and still is CEO at Disc Makers uh, and, and AVL, uh, to join as chief operating mm -hmm. officer in 2010. And that's how I that's how I landed at CD Baby, and uh, certainly the background was on the manufacturing side uh, of, of of the compact disc. Very interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed, my friend. I'm really impressed. Um, a few years later, uh, a pivotal moment in your career was uh, the acquisition of CD Baby by Downtown Music Holdings. And can you take us through the strategic steps you took uh, as the CEO of CD Baby that led up to that acquisition or to this acquisition? Absolutely. We we had a, a decision to make as the CD started to wane. You know, CD Baby was founded as an e-commerce platform where uh, at first artists and labels could sell CDs and then downloads. 
And then this whole area of distribution and streaming, uh, you know, started to grow and we saw a shift happening. So we had to make a big decision circa about 2012, 2013, whether we wanted to continue to be a purveyor uh, primarily of CDs and an e-commerce store, or we really wanted to lean into digital distribution and become more of a digital company. And I think we chose well mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, the competitor, kind of the emerging competitor, was Bandcamp, very well-run company. I got to know Ethan Diamond a little yeah. bit in that process, and wanted to understand where that company was going. And they were going full speed into e-commerce, and and you know they've had a very successful run. A little bit more holistically about uh, rights management and how an artist uh, or label uh, was was thinking about publishing. You know, one of the things that we noticed mm-hmm. was that a lot of artists never collected their publishing income, uh, failed to register with the PRO. And um, we're kind of leaving money on the table. And so we struck mm-hmm. up a relationship with uh, with then uh, Song Trust, owned by Downtown, and became mm-hmm. uh, a, a partner in publishing. And, and so we launched uh, what we called CD Baby Pro, which was powered by Song Trust in uh, 2013. Mm-hmm. And that business grew really nicely from 2013 till uh, uh, most recently when we uh, put a sunset on it. Um, and so... Uh, that was the beginning of the relationship with downtown. Um, we, we really shifted uh, fully out of e-commerce in 2020, and we closed down the CD Baby online store. Uh, downloads just weren't selling like they used to. And uh, mm-hmm. more recently, uh, CD Baby uh, closed its physical offering, so it's out of the physical business now. It really has been remade as a okay. digital business. Yes. In mm-hmm. twenty uh, in twenty uh, nineteen or late twenty eighteen, uh, as we were going into a sale process with AVL, um, you know, obviously, where there were different uh, paths we could go down, we could sell to another uh, private equity uh, type financial owner, or we could sell to a strategic. And we built a long term relationship with Justin Kalifowitz, the, the founder and CEO of of Downtown, as well as mm-hmm. Andrew Bergman, who's the current CEO at the mm-hmm. time, was COO and general counsel. And uh, re- really felt a good fit there, uh, both from a, a strategic standpoint, uh, with a cultural standpoint, a real yeah. music company uh, that yes. really cares about uh, the artists and the rights holder. And so we, we felt it was a good good match. And and, and uh, in that process, uh, as a management team, as a leadership team at CD Baby and ABL, um, uh, kind of pushed our owners in that direction. And then luckily, we were able to come to a, a conclusion and, and close that in the first quarter of 2019. Wonderful. You know, I was gonna ask. I was hesitant to ask this question, if it's really outdated. But how was the transition from physical when you were at CD Baby to digital? Was it something that I kind of foreseen, or was it like, hey, we have to do it. We really need to jump on it right away. You know, I, I learned this in uh, <laughs> in running a, a disc manufacturing plant. It's very difficult to to invest in a declining business. Um, yeah, you, you can certainly. Uh, be more efficient, and and I would say C Baby's always uh, was always led, uh, you know, with yeah. kind of an efficiency mindset, and, and you can also kind of meet that niche demand. Um, and certainly, we saw growth in things like uh, vinyl albums, but but I think my experience in leading a, a CD manufacturing company, a disc manufacturing company, was it is a much easier path to invest and to reposition a company in something that will grow as opposed to something that's declining. And it mm-hmm. re- really was as simple as that. You know, we, we saw the growth in, in streaming coming. It, it was all about consumer behavior. More, more mm-hmm. people were listening and consuming music via streaming 
fewer people were listening mm. and consuming via vinyl and, and CD. And so we, we made a bet on the growth part of the market, uh, re- really powered by consumer behavior. And I think that played out really well. Now, you know, a, a, a physical strategy as pursued by a, a band camp is perfectly good. Uh, it's a little bit more niche focused and I think it's growth prospects were limited, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, uh, you know, uh, strategy is just a fork in the road and the, the fork we chose was, uh, was more of a digital. And I think that we really kind of formalized that in 2012, 2013, when we launched yes. the publishing business and became a huh. services provider. Um, you know, just to go back for a minute where you were at disc makers, I would say, I remember disc makers, you know, I had a label and I know, I know of them very well. Uh, I think they had even an, uh, one of their, I'm not sure main office. It was Midtown, correct? On 20 something street. That's right? right. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were, the, I think, one of the leading, I'm not saying the only one, but the leading ones that they actually, an artist could walk in or call them and manufacture 100 pieces. I remember. They were like, nobody else was doing it. They would do the whole thing for you, the artwork, the manufacturing. And I think they were doing distribution at that time. Am I right or wrong? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. It, it, they, they were. Had to deal it, with yeah. Them. Yeah, the, the, the business was always a really great marriage uh, between the physical yeah. operation and CD Baby being the, the, the uh, distribution yeah. arm. And in fact, yeah. when Disc Makers bought CD Baby back in uh, 2009, yeah. you know, yeah. it was just kind of the continuation of another relationship. And that was being an outlet for uh, for, for uh, digital distribution and e-commerce. Um, and, and I can't say enough about the team there at Disc Makers, you know, led by Tony Van Veen, who's yes. both been a, a mentor and a friend for the last uh, 15 years. And and you know really still in the business. If if you uh, if you're an artist and you need vinyl, Disc Makers yeah. is a great source. And I know they aim yeah. to be uh, the leading provider of vinyl in North America this uh, this year. Amazing, amazing. Your transitions. Um, your role extended beyond CD Baby, uh, leading downtown, and its many ventures. Uh, could you please walk us through the experience, especially when it comes to a complex integration of brands like Fuga and Curve? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, we really started the process before the uh, downtown acquisition. In, in yeah. uh, we, we did a number of acquisitions, the biggest of which was the acquisition of Audio Micro um, in yeah. 2017. And we, we onboarded a couple companies in that particular transaction, including Dashco, which is now Artist Label Services at downtown, and also AdRev, which is part of uh, the Fuga offering. And specifically, yes. we were trying to accomplish there at AVL before the downtown acquisition was to extend uh, the CD Baby offering into label services. So to be able to provide the same services we were providing to artists, to, to independent labels. Mm-hmm. And in the case of AdRev, to be better at YouTube monetization. So collecting uh, th- those uh, th- th- the money that flows through YouTube. And that's what that AdRev did at yes. the time. And so it was uh-huh. It was more of a kind of, a, again, a natural iteration uh, uh, post the downtown acquisition of um, of AVL, which you know, included CD Baby, mm-hmm. Dashgo, and AdRev, to continue that streak and think about more broadly, how do we become a, a modern music company and a services provider that is ubiquitous and indispensable to, um, you know, to, mm-hmm. to any kind of a rights owner? Our first major acquisition uh, post the uh, close of, of, of AVL was Fuga, which um, downtown acquired oh. in the first quarter of, of 2020. Right Fuga, what was it? 19 or 20? Um, oh, 20. Yes, 2020. Yeah. It was the, yeah, we, we closed in I January 2020. Um, 
And uh, it, what what a great leadership team, you know, led by Peter Van Ryan. Um, and when you think about that team, you know, big swaths of downtown yeah. are now run by uh, the, you know, the individuals that came to downtown in that acquisition, including Peter, yeah. as well as Jan Peter Kirstens, who's the CFO of, of downtown uh, at, at the holding company level. A great team, good yeah. people, really great services, again, indispensable to um, uh, to yeah. independent artists and, 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 and labels. Um, we, we did a series of smaller acquisitions, including an audio recognition company in France called Symbols, um, a uh, ad tech company uh, out of L.A. called Foundy. And those principles are still mm -hmm. uh, there at downtown operating their, their particular competencies. And then in uh, last year, so 2022, we closed the acquisition of uh, Curve Royalty Systems, which uh, really is the leader in processing royalties for uh, independent labels. And I really got to know Tom and, and Richard, the founders there, and uh, uh, their capabilities quite mm -hmm. well. And, uh, it, you know, really the last few years has been integrating these businesses uh, in the uh, primarily the B2B side of downtown and uh, going to market with a consolidated offer um, under Peter Van Ryan's leadership. I can't say enough about mm -hmm. the entrepreneurs who joined the team through those acquisitions and the teams that they lead. And I can't say enough positive about Peter and, and Fuga and, uh, and, and what is now downtown music. I mean, downtown has a very extensive uh, large team right now from what I, you know, from what I heard. A big team of, uh, you know, coming from diff different diverse team. They come in from different aspects of the music business. And should I say, I don't know if it's fair to say, is downtown uh, Fuga and all of that becoming a three, it's coming, becoming a I, I think operation in the industry? I mean, yeah, absolutely. There, there, there isn't much that the company doesn't do. It doesn't have a merch solution. Um, it doesn't necessarily a have company. a live solution. Yeah, a absolutely. In, in sync, yeah. in, in publishing, yeah. in uh, in uh, distribution, in tech services, and royalty collection. Uh, you name it, mm -hmm. the company is uh, you know is in somewhere involved there as a service provider and. The other thing that you might notice about the acquisitions uh, that the company did, you know, I mentioned mm. the UK, the yes. Amsterdam, so the Netherlands, so that's where Fuga is based, and yeah. France. I mean, it's really become a global company. And I think at this point, um, uh, more than half of, of its employees are outside the United States. So, so really what downtown is doing, not just building a 360 services company, but building a global company. Yes, yes. And I think their hand, arm of distribution, Fuga, become the leading independent uh, aggregator out there. I know we're not going to take away from any of the other great aggregators out there, like, you know, the Orchard or Believe Digital or so forth. But I would say you guys leading the spot in aggregation as far as this, you know, music distribution. I believe that to be true. I mean, I think across the enterprise, including uh, what Fuga does and what CD Baby does, we're touching yeah. something like one in four or one in three copyrights, um, uh, sound recordings. And so, it, you know, it, it is a scaled operation and it, yeah. I think it's very important to the music industry and more than, than just the independent releases. I mean, you know, Fuga is now powering some pretty sizable labels. Uh, and even in some cases, um, you know, we are across the enterprise providing services to some of the majors and uh, companies are. like Hypnosis and, and, and BMG. And so, mm. you know, again, that, that idea of ubiquity and becoming, uh, uh, becoming not just a global company, but one that's providing all services uh, to all kinds of music uh, rights holders. Mm. You mentioned earlier Bandcamp. 
and Bandcamp is owned by, uh, was purchased recently by uh, song trader, you know, Paul Wilshire. Uh, I'm sure you heard, you heard about that. Yeah, it, it, one of the more uh, interesting acquisitions, yes. uh, maybe yes. going back to the Epic Epic Games uh, yes. uh, purchase, which I think was a big surprise. I, I don't yes. know which was a bigger surprise, Epic uh, or Song Trader. Um, yeah. it, it definitely kind of fills a hole in that portfolio that, that yes. Paul and, and, and Song Trader are building. Uh-huh. And it historically has been a great company. Absolutely. Um, Andrew Bergman mentioned your incredible contributions to downtown culture and growth which I 100% agree with. Uh, knowing the impact you had, uh, what was your main focus while leading the ship at downtown or the whole? You know, it comes down to people and teams. And, you know, the, the place I get the most um, joy in work is seeing people develop and seeing teams work together. And so w- whether yeah. it was building a team at CD Baby or integrating a team from Audio Micro, or, you know, one of the subsequent acquisitions that we did, um, it, it, it really is, um, you know, any business that's providing services is people driven. It's, it's not about the technology. Yeah. It's not about, not necessarily yeah. just about the strategy. It's about the people and, and under, underneath that's culture. And so, you know, Andrew was very yeah. kind in, in, in those parting words. And so he's, he and I certainly have built a great friendship over the last, more than a decade working together versus partners. And then, uh, then as my boss, um, and, and I think what he would say about me, if he was kind of putting in another, another sentence on that is, is that, you know, I, I really bet on and, and believe in, in the people in the business. And, and, uh, I, and that's so true. I just, I, I think it's all built on, um, on, on human capacity and, and the continual development of it. And if we're not doing that yes. as leaders in business, we're not doing our jobs. Absolutely. Great shout out for Andrew. We need to get him on the show, I guess, after this. <laughs> uh, that's an incredible journey you had so far, uh, Tracy. Uh, the music industry is known for its challenges and setbacks. Can you share a difficult moment you faced in your career uh, and how did you overcome it? Or overcome it? Managing a company. Yeah, managing a company during a pandemic is, is uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, uh, crushing. I mean, we had just completed the acquisition of Fuga. We had a couple other acquisitions in mm-hmm. process, and suddenly everything changed. And um, you know, un- unable to travel, unable to meet in person. It's really hard to be a people company when you're not, um, in, you know, present with one another to work through the hard things. And so, I, I you know, in my 25 years of, of leading companies and managing people, I'd never encountered anything like that. The isolation of it, uh, dealing with, you know, what seemed to be one crisis after another in a time of pandemic when we're all working remotely was a, a new uh, new challenge for me. I think everybody in the industry, I had some experience with distress management in, in, uh, previously in my career, you know, closing plants and selling off assets for companies. But uh, no, nothing like the isolation of trying to lead in a, in a world crisis, and uh, it's it's one I hope not to repeat. And uh, um, you know that 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 I would say is the biggest challenge. But specific to the music industry, you know, I, I think the challenge that that we we all face today in, in this you know rapid proliferation mm-hmm. of of assets is um, it's around the quality of the data around music, or what people refer to as metadata. Yeah, when I when metadata, I talk about yes. this, and, and I am passionate about hygienic metadata, I think people tend to, you know, their eyes tend to glaze over, like, what is he talking about? 
but but when you, when you think about it, like how is music discovered? How is it monetized? How do rights holders actually get paid for their work? If the underlying metadata in metadata. music isn't appropriate, <laughs> yes. isn't isn't right, it 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 it's it's simply you're unable to collect what's due to you. And so I think you know artists and, and art they should focus on making music. They should focus on making great music, but. But, you know, the business people in the industry, we, we need to be focused on making sure that that metadata is clean, that the DSPs like Spotify and Apple have everything they need to know about that music. And, you know, certainly mm -hmm. given the fact that, you know, there's over 100 million tracks out there on the services now and maybe another 30 million being delivered every year, um, we, we've got yes. to be better as an industry. So what are you saying, what I'm gathering, that the metadata uh it's still an issue a big issue in the music industry whether it's the the distributors the label they facing or the uh, dsps yeah I, I would throw one more uh one more uh service type organization in there the pros or cmos i mean you know those that, yes. that represent uh the original songs the compositions um and you know those that that are monetizing the, the sound recording need to get on the same mm. page about you know marrying the composition metadata as well as the sound recording metadata and we all have a role in mm -hmm. it and I think historically everybody's kind of pointed the finger at the distributor and certainly a large part mm -hmm. of the responsibility lies there, but everybody in the, in the music uh, industry uh, and everybody, every part of the ecosystem from the sound recording, to the composition have a role in making sure that, that we fix this, uh, this problem. Yes. I mean, Hey, AI could be the solution. 100 percent that's uh that's one of the things i'm spending some time doing in my uh in my convalescence is thinking about and writing uh on ai and uh, uh so this is ai is certainly a, a potential solution here i, I know of a couple Definitely. of um, industry consortia that are focused around the fraud issue in music and i know ai is, yes. is coming uh, to play a part there and to identify, you know, what I'll call anomalous yeah. um, behavior of tracks. You know, when suddenly you see a million streams yeah. on a song that had never been listened yes. to, you, you got to wonder, right? And so, you know, large yes. data sets require lots of technology and underlying that technology is, yes. is predictive analytics, yes. AI, uh, to figure out what's yeah. going on here. And so, yeah, I, I'm really bullish on AI as as a remedy for what's uh, for what's missing and what's broken, frankly, in the music industry. Whether it's the metadata issues yes. that we face or the fraud issues that will continue to be in, uh, a, a um, absolutely a, a siphon of income from uh, legitimate rights holders. Yes, and as you mentioned in your posting today, you said on LinkedIn you mentioned that you know AI is not a threat if it's used the right way in the right, you know, if it, with the right hands, like everything else, I feel like everything else in, in the business, you know, I think we should embrace it. Yes. There's a lot of negative publicity on it. And there is positive. I'm in the positive side. I think AI need to be embraced because it's a tool to help us advance and progress and get things done better and more control, gain more control of it. That's my personal opinion on it, on AI. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of hand wringing about the training of um, AI yeah. models using uh, quote unlicensed music. Yeah. It's happened. It's it's you know it's it's happened by some major firms. I think it, it's come to light that yeah. almost every AI model out there without license has used music to train uh, AI on the creation of, of of new AI music. Um, 
you really want to kind of wrap your head around this. I was at an AI consortium where we were talking about AI training other AI how to, you know, make music from those models, right? Like, so where's the place yes. for human creation in in the future? You know, that that's the threat. I, I, if you've experienced uh, ChatGPT or any other model, you, you realize there are yeah. serious limitations. Um, and, and certainly creation yes. is one of them. But, you know, I'll just make this one, one point about um, uh, AI and music is, AI don't perform live or sell merch, right? Like there is a place for the human uh, in the middle of, of, you know, the fan connection. I, I don't yes. believe it'll ever yeah. be supplanted by, uh, uh, by technology, uh, just by technology, because what we create yeah. as humans is human interaction. And, and, you know, that, that uh, kick we get from, you know, seeing somebody perform live and, and the t-shirt my wife always has to get every time we go to a live show. I mean, that's just not going to change uh, human behavior. Um, no. And so let's harness the technology to 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 solve real problems. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Let's absolutely. solve real problems rather and than one of the ones them that we imagine. Yes. Yes. Metadata is one of them. Copyright is one of them. Yes. Um, very inspiring. Uh, in your opinion, what are, um, what are some you know common misconceptions people have about the music industry? Well, you know, here's here's one that always gets me. Music's a really small industry. I mean, total revenue worldwide, excluding uh, live performance, is about forty billion. Um, it's between sound recording and, and, and publishing, right? I mean, compare that with let's just say baked goods, right? Croissants and uh, and muffins. That's a half yeah. a trillion dollar industry. Yes. Music is one tenth of the size yes. of baked goods. You, you know, compare that again yeah. with the advertising industry. It's one fiftieth the size. We are, um, you know, certainly at, at the at the intersection of culture uh, and creation, and you know, kind of top of mind for for people. But we're also really small. My takeaway from that is that there's plenty of room for the industry to grow, and that if people are really conscientious about their behavior um, and, and you know mm -hmm. how they're kind of engaging with music, that um, you know they yeah. ought to be paying for a, a premium uh, a subscription service, not a free tier. They ought to be going to shows, not not just listening on the radio. They ought to turn off the radio, which doesn't pay uh, uh, recording artists, right? I mean, I, I think if if, yes. if we're taking this industry seriously, then we're educating consumers about how their behavior uh, either benefits or, or detriments the artist. And, and so I think um, yeah. that, that's a big concept, misconception. It's also overly complex. Um, for its size. I mean, one half of the music industry, the composition side is, is regulated um, in most of the uh, most of the world. And, um, you know, there are so many people in the middle between uh, the artists and the consumer that, you know, maybe don't add a lot of value. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I think, yeah. you know, those are kind of the two biggest things that I would say, like, most people don't know about the industry. Years ago, when, uh, you know, when, a friend's kid was graduating from, you know, whatever college they would say, Hey, you know, uh, Johnny or Jessica, you know, they really want to work in, in, in the music industry. My advice would be don't it's, yeah. it's, it's getting smaller. It's tough. Too many uh, middle people. Uh, yeah. Now I say, absolutely. What have they got to bring to the table? It's a hard skill like marketing or finance or technology. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. and not just the people that are making yes. music, but the people that are helping the artists uh, to both monetize it and, and to collect uh, to, to collect those micro pennies that are streaming and and uh, being earned on uh, on the social media platforms. 
Yes, social media. That's these are these are new streaming platforms, actually. You know, TikTok and others. One hundred percent. The most technology the most popular yes. uh, two streaming services in the world are YouTube and TikTok. Absolutely, well said. Absolutely. Um, technology has significantly changed the music landscape. I know you lived through the age of physical distribution to digital and now AI. How do you see the industry evolving uh, as a whole in the near future, maybe three years from now, four years from now, five years from now? I think with your experience, you kind of developed uh, a little bit of a crystal ball, uh, Tracy, fair to say. Well, first and foremost, I think there'll be more investment in technology. Um, if if, if the major labels or um, any of the service providers aren't thinking about themselves as um, music companies, mm -hmm. but also technology companies, I don't think they're thinking right. Um, there's so much uh, investment that needs to happen, uh, infrastructural investment and in things like how we collect and identify, uh, collect money and how we identify uses. And so I think there will mm -hmm. be continued uh, investment in technology. I think it includes technologies like blockchain, and like um, AI, where, you know, there have been, there's been kind of an unsuccessful history of investment. You know, I, I think that will continue. I think you'll see more very smart startups in the space, particularly around AI. Um, and I think you'll see consolidation. I think you'll see, uh, you know, companies like downtown and like the majors acquiring them uh, for, you know, both the teams that build the technology as well as the technology itself. Mm, okay. Um now that chapter, uh, you know, now this chapter of your life is uh, concluded. What next on the horizon for Tracy? I know you got something interesting. Well, I'm going to go sit on a beach. Yeah, I'm going to go sit on a beach for a couple of uh, a couple of months and and uh, contemplate uh, the future and read a lot. Uh -huh. um, that's that's my that's my goal. Um, and uh, I'd like to I'd like to you know think that by the middle of next year I'll have figured out uh, what I want to do with my life um, at this point. Um, yeah. But but yeah. My suspicion is it will have something to do with leading people and and helping people develop. Yes. Uh, whether that's as a consultant or you know potentially at an operating company at some point in the future, that's really where I get joy is, is seeing people develop and seeing uh, teams uh, uh, build uh, technology. And I'd like to get back to that at some point, whether that's in the music industry or somewhere else. Or maybe sit on the board, advisory, uh, you know, advisory board for some tech companies. So are you moving to Florida? And, and now I'm actually <laughs> still in, in uh, uh, the Portland, Oregon area, but uh, contemplating. Because you mentioned, to, you mentioned uh, the beach. I'm like, okay, you got to be going to Florida. <laughs> No, my 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 destination of uh, preference is is, uh, is Maui, um, and I haven't been back oh. to the West Coast uh, since the fires, and so I'm looking forward to getting back and seeing uh, both, you know, how how it is, and you know, if I can help in any way, um, maybe just by being a tourist. Um, yes. Um, Tracy, uh, a lot of our listeners, after watching this episode. They're going to be inspired. I'm inspired myself. And they want to say, hey, I want to carve my own path in the music industry like Tracy did. Any advice for these people? So what to look for, what not to look for, what, you know, I mean, you came from, um, you know, from the tech industry, leading, then owning, becoming, a, uh, you know, an owner, and then joining as a CEO. You took many levels in your life and done many acquisitions, you know. So your advice, any tips or advice 
Yeah. I mean, I, and the two things I would say is, um, you know, find something that you're deeply interested in. Uh, and, and, you know, I would even use the word love to do and, mm-hmm. and do more of it. It feels a lot less like work. And secondly, take risks. You know, it, it's easy to get a job and to be uh, a, a professional and put in, you know, your 40 hours a week or whatever your employer requires. It, it, it's a lot less easy to, to take a leap and, and leave a comfortable situation. And I, I find that the more uncomfortable I am uh, in uh, whatever situation I'm in, including, you know, taking some time off. Um, the more I'm developing as a human. And so you just have to kind of wait, find a way to break through. Uh, and anytime you're too comfortable, just, you know, have the, have the self-recognition to say, you know, it's time for a change. I've been doing this uh, uh, too long. I'm going to go do something else for a bit and, and uh, you know, kind of pick that next, uh, that next uh, leap to take. Um, those yes. are the two things that I've learned uh, a lot in my last couple of careers. Great. Um, those are valuable insight. I'm sure our listeners will find them incredibly helpful. Uh, before we wrap it up, um, are there any projects, anything that you would like to talk about, uh, you know, or other others to be on the lookout for? The, the one thing I'd like to ask, this is my request, is Please. I'm writing a series on LinkedIn on AI. And uh, what, what I find is people are happy to read but not engage. Um, and I'm, I'm trying not to be controversial for the sake of it. I'm just kind of telling, you know, r- writing about what I'm thinking and, and saying, but like, join me in the conversation. Uh, feel free to join me on LinkedIn. I, you can follow me. Uh, I'm in creator mode. And so anything I write is available for anybody to see. Uh, my LinkedIn profile is pretty simple. It's Tracy Maddox, Maddox with a U M A D D U X. And, uh, if you, if you like, uh, great. But if you engage, I'll be sure to give you a comment or at least a like, and uh, would love to kind of keep the conversation around AI going. Amazing, amazing. Uh, well, firstly, thanks for joining us today. It's been a great interview. Uh, this concludes uh, today's episode of Soundbreaker. Please make sure to follow us on socials uh, to stay tuned for new episode C. Thanks, Bob. That was great. This podcast is presented by Music Dash, world's first AI-powered independent distribution CMS. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share the Soundbreaker podcast. And if you are joining us on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time.